Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So we'll be speaking about Agile Nation. This is our Reach Sermon Series. We do it once a year. You just heard Pastor Tiam speak about a Reach. Reach is our missions and church planting initiative. Our apostolic mandate as every nation is to reach all the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus. So let me remind you, we don't call ourselves Every Nation because it's a nice name, it's a great brand. No, we call ourselves Every Nation because we want to get to all the nations of the world to preach the gospel. So the challenge for us today is will we be agile enough? Will we be flexible? Will we be able to move quickly and easily to where God is calling us? Amen. So let's say it right up front, if God is calling you to move to another country, and you're hearing from God that is moving you to another country, whatever reason it may be, see that as an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God wherever God is calling you to go. Amen. I'm so thrilled that we have Jonathan and Joanne here who are getting ready to move to London to be part of a church plan there. The London church is saying there's a community in London that no one is reaching. We need to reach this community. Amen. Isn't it amazing that Africa is now sending missionaries to Europe and to the rest of the world? So as we speak about Agile Nation, you'll hear more about opportunities that are opening for us uh, in different parts of the world. So this word, Agile, means the ability to move quickly and easily. We just came back from a mission to Ghana. You heard from uh, Quentin recently about this mission. I want to tell you some more amazing stories from this mission. This is another way of getting you to come to us on mission. And I know later on when I tell you about the doors that are opening up in the Caribbean, everyone now will start volunteering for mission. When we were talking about going to Mozambique, to Ghana, like few people raised their hands. Now there's a door that is open in St. Thomas Island. We need people to go. Yesterday I had someone signing up already. You know yourself. <laughs> so while we were in Ghana, Quentin mentioned that we visited uh, this uh, Cape Coast Castle. And the Cape Coast Castle is one of the two castles where slaves were captured, put in dungeons, and they were sent off from here through a door of no return. If you read the email that I sent once a month, you would have heard the full story of what happened at the Cape Castle co Coast. Uh, I don't want to go through that story again, but for those who read the story, you found out that the experience I had there was almost like a trigger similar to how I experienced apartheid in South Africa. If you go and visit apartheid museum, it's a good way to check if you're fully dealt or not. So when I go to apartheid museum now, I know that I'm fully dealt because I don't have the same triggers that I used to have before. But when I went to this castle, I was so triggered to the point that I actually collapsed. I collapsed. I had a blackout. Probably it was five, ten seconds. I don't know how long it was. And I was lying on the floor for a good five minutes. And then uh, they stopped the tour. And they took us uh, to a restaurant nearby uh, so that I can get some strength. My wife says I was hungry. I just needed food. 
You know, it's just, that's her version, you know, like, you know, I, I spoke to my doctor and my doctor says I was also reacting to malaria tablets. I should have been wise, you know, and don't take malaria tablets on the trip. You have to take them before you travel. <laughs> that's <laughs> mission uh, rule number one, you know, like, check your checklist. But there's another thing that happened there. We walk into the restaurant and they're playing a South African song, which is called Idibala. So if you know what Idibala means, it means if you break up with me, I'm going to faint. <laughs> I mean, that was just like some of the team members said, too soon, too soon. <laughs> anyway, so the whole experience was not only me collapsing, but uh, it was a significant moment just as you walk through the doors of no return. It's so interesting that what you see now are those flags. There is power in seeing flags. What you see is flags, and uh, these flags basically they identify the boats of different family members. So if you want to go and find your family member's boat, you know which one by the flag that you see. But there was also a prophetic uh, declaration that we felt God was saying to us when we see these flags as every nation, we felt God says, you need to take this experience that you've had to the rest of the world, to the nations of the world, so that we don't repeat these atrocities again. So the reason I'm retelling the story again, and the reason we need to tell the next generations of these stories is so that we don't repeat this again. Sad to say that today we're experiencing modern-day slavery through child trafficking, human trafficking, all these things that are happening now, something is wrong with it. Gender-based violence, that is a form of slavery. And the reason I show you this picture is that we need to remind people that man left to his own demise, we can do this, we can repeat this again. In case you were wondering why, Pastor Sai, think about xenophobia. Some of the things that are happening in our nation is really contrary to what God intends for our nation. So with the word that I'm going to share today, I pray that as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and lives are transformed, we will not go back to this. I mean, one of the things that uh, really touched us was above the dungeons, right at to- on the top there, there was a church. While people are dying underneath, the way they were treated, I mean, really inhumane, there was a church at the top. How do you start to worship God when people are treated the way they are treated there? So let me tell you this statement by John Piper. He says, missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not exist in nations. There's no worship in nations. Even those who may claim to worship God, are they really worshiping God? Missions exist because worship does not. With that in mind, let's go to our sermon for today. I've titled it, Consider Your Ways. Consider Your Ways. And our scripture is going to be Haggai chapter 1. And next week you'll hear from Pastor Roger on Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 1, I don't know your pronunciation. Today is Heritage Day. You can say Haggai, Haggai for the Americans, Haggai. Um, But it's one of those that uh, it's a difficult name to pronounce. So consider your ways. Let me start by asking you this question. What are you building? What are you building? And who are you building it for? 
ultimately, who are you working for? So you, even in this text that we're going to read, it speaks about building the house of the Lord. I want you to keep this in your mind, that when we talk about building the house of the Lord, it's not just building the physical building, but it is building people. When we talk about preaching the gospel, when we talk about worship that's not exist in the nations, when we talk about building the house of the Lord, it is not so much about the building, the physical building, but it's about building people through the gospel. A transformed heart will transform society. When our hearts are transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will definitely, definitely transform society. So let's read Haggai chapter 1, the command to rebuild the temple. In the second year of Darius the king, in the six months of the first day of the first month, of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is time for you, it is time for you and yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. Clothe yourselves. You clothe yourselves, but no, no one is warm. And he who earns wages does not put them into, uh, does put them into a bag with holes. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, again these words, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, thus says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in rings. While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, and the hills, and the grain, and the new wine, the oil, and on the ground that brings forth, O man, and on the beast, on man, and on the beast, and on their labors. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, this text that we've read, Haggai is speaking to the governor, he's speaking to government, and he's speaking to the priest, he's speaking to the church. He's telling them about how they've moved away from the ways of God, how they have twisted their priorities, and he's saying you need to reorder your priorities. You need to consider your ways. So three things that I see from the scripture that we're going to look at is consider your priorities, Consider your prosperity or your definition of prosperity and consider your proximity, your closeness to God. When I look at this uh, portion of Scripture, considering our priorities, I like the fact that it starts by saying the word of the Lord came 
by the hand, meaning that the word of the Lord was served. It came by the hand of the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? I mean, when you read it in the NLT, it says, is it a time for you to live in your luxurious homes while the house of the Lord lies in ruins? So I bring you back to the statement by John Piper when he says, worship exists, missions exist because worship does not. We don't have worship in nations. The house of the Lord is in ruins. We don't preach the gospel anymore. You are happy with your luxurious homes, but the house of the Lord is not built. It says, while this house lies in ruins, now therefore says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways or reconsider your ways. When our priorities on building our names and our fame, our worship is twisted. So let me explain that. What does it mean that when our priority is building our names, our fame, building our own homes, but we, we, we say, no, no, we'll get to uh, pre preaching the gospel, we'll get to the house of the Lord. It means that our priorities are not right. We need to reorder our priorities talking about building the house of the Lord, it is not just about the physical house. It is about the preaching of the gospel. Nations need this gospel. In order for us to avoid the atrocities that are happening in the world today, we need to preach this gospel. So you say, Pastor Sai, why are you talking about modern day slavery? Just this morning, we had a prayer request. We are busy praying uh, on our Zoom prayer at 6 a.m. We got a prayer request. A girl was found at Oartambo Airport with a passport, and she had lost her mind. She didn't know how she got herself there. By God's grace, she's a student at Vets. Another student saw her and said, hey, what are you doing here? She didn't even know how she got there. Modern day slavery. I'm here to say to you, we need to preach the gospel. There needs to be a sense of urgency. May we not be like the Israelites who had excuses. They said, it is not yet time. You know, if I were to say it in my language, I would say, God is saying to us, now is the time. We cannot say tomorrow, now is the time. There must be a sense of urgency to the preaching of the gospel. Kenako, now is the time. Let us not say it is not yet time. Kenako, now is the time. Let us not be like the Israelites who had excuses. May we consider our ways and consider our priorities. When you read Luke um, 1733, the Bible says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let go, if you let your life go, you will save it. When you let your life go, when you choose to give your life to the Lord, you will save it. I know we are so familiar. We know the scripture in Matthew 6, 33. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. When we prioritize building the kingdom of God, there is so much we get in return. When we don't prioritize building the kingdom of God, we miss out on what the Lord has in store for us. Let me give you two stories that will help you understand this. This very building that we are sitting in and we get the opportunity to worship God. And unlike in China and other places where they don't have an opportunity like we have to worship like this. I remember many years visiting the underground church in China we had to walk. Nicola was there at that mission. We went to China. 
we had to walk in pairs. We couldn't go in a group, going to the church underground in an apartment somewhere. And boy, the presence of God in that place. Because God is not about a building. God is about the gathering of the saints who wants to worship Him. This very building we are sitting in, I remember many years ago, I was still a student when we purchased this building. Some of you would remember we had a project called PCV. It was a, a Parktown Christian adventure where we got people in the church to take money from their own investments and to put it in the church to build this house. What amazed me the most about that story is a lot of those people, when it was time to give back, or some of them were giving it as a loan so that we can buy this building uh, to the point where we were able to finish buying this building and then we were ready to pay them back. They said, the Lord has blessed us so much, we don't need that money back. I was thinking about that story and I thought to myself, when you build the house of the Lord, He will build your house. When you build the house of the Lord, He will build your house. When you choose to prioritize the house of God, He will prioritize your house. He will look after you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. I had another story about our church in Cape Town. Some of you will know they've just been uh, reworking their building, and they needed funds to, to bridge for a season. And uh, some people put money to help this church to uh, finish off uh, renovating the church. And some people took their investment off to be able to do this. And I had a fascinating story. And then the war in Ukraine happened. And then by the time they got their money back from the church, they received much more than they would have got if they kept their money in the bank. How's that for God? When you build God's house, He will build yours. He will build yours. Amen. And I pray that that will be our portion, that as we prioritize building the house of the Lord, He will build ours. When we prioritize preaching the gospel, He will build our homes. The next point I want to talk to, which I believe will be a challenge to us, not only are we talking about reconsidering our ways in terms of how we prioritize our ways, but also how we talk about prosperity. And for some of you out there, maybe you are an influencer, you need to ask yourself, how are you glorifying God with your influence? Is your influence part of your worship? When we continue to read in verse 5 to 6, it says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Doesn't that sound familiar? Think about interest rate hikes, petrol price. You know, we're working so hard, but it feels like it's, it's like you're just working and working and working, but you don't see what you're working towards. And I believe this word is not only to the church, the body of Christ. Remember, uh, Haggai was speaking to the government, to the governor. This word is for our nation as well. This word is the nation, for the nations of the world. We have moved away from the worship of God. What is so sad for me is how even in our schools, we don't read the Bible anymore. No wonder we have challenges that we have in schools today. 
it says, consider your ways. You've sown much and harvested little. You drink, but you never have your fill. Why? It's because our definition of prosperity is not the way that God defines prosperity. I like how Pastor Steve Marl says, is the purpose of prosperity is to advance God's mission on earth. Then you wonder, where did he get that from? This is from Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So confirms his covenant, which he saw to your ancestors as it is today. God gives us prosperity so that we can be able to advance his kingdom. I'm so excited about this uh, business workshop that will be happening here. Dorian Annie will be hosting it here. So we get to join the globe, basically, to think about how to do business kingdom way, God's way. So I encourage you to register for that. If you're in business or you're considering to start your own business, I encourage you to register for that and come and hear stories of how people are advancing the kingdom of God with their wealth. It starts 4 p.m. on Wednesday. Thank you, Annie. So please uh, register today. Sign up today. We want to know how many people are coming. I want to share the story to encourage you about people who prioritizes the kingdom of God. So some of you may have heard the name, the Megan Foundation. Megan Foundation was started by Francois van Niekerk. Francois, many years ago in the 80s, his business was about to close down. And he was sitting down and he prayed a prayer. Most of us, we pray this prayer. You know the prayer that we like to pray. Lord, if you will bless me. Lord, if you will just bless me, if you will just bless me with this car, I will use it for your kingdom. Lord, if you just bless me with this house, I'll use it for your kingdom. Lord, we pray that prayer, don't we? Lord, if you bless me with this one million business deal, Lord, all of the, all of the money, did I hear right? All of the money is going back to you. We don't even hear ourselves when we pray those prayers. But he prayed a prayer. And he's one of the few people that I know that prayed that prayer and lived up to it. He said this, he said, God, if you will bless me, if you will bless my business, if you can turn this around, they were literally about to close. I'm not giving the full details of the story. I had him speak at a business breakfast, and he gave even the figures of what was in the bank account at the time. For those in business, you know how it's like when you can't pay salaries. It was real. <laughs> it is real when it gets to that point. And then he prayed a prayer, says, Lord, if you will bless me, this business will give back 75% of our income. 75%. Not a tithe, not 10%, 75%. Now, this business is in so many countries in the world today. And guess what? They are giving back 75% of the business into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. They are giving into the kingdom. I want to read directly from their website. You can go and search Megan Foundation. They've even funded some of our campus ministers. Unlike certain businesses, you know, like we give, but you can't give to proselytizing. Proselytizing is uh, when you preach the gospel, right? But they, are, they don't hold back. They say, our mission, we strategically, deploy an we strategically deploy our entrusted resources through well-chosen partnership for maximum expansion of God's kingdom. The Megan Foundation is a nonprofit trust fund that was established in the 80s 
following a commitment made by Francois van Nieker to God as he turned to him for a lifeline in business. This is their vision. Our vision is to see God's kingdom expand, to see the unreached come to faith in Jesus Christ, to see people discipled into living relationship with God and assimilated into faith communities. I mean, imagine this is a business trust fund. They're saying we are giving specifically for the preaching of the gospel. I know businesses that are represented in this church where the founders, they say we will give more than what we take. And God is blessing them. So consider your prosperity. What is your definition of prosperity? Is your prosperity the car that you drive, the house you live in, or is your prosperity building the house of the Lord? Finally, consider your proximity. So we're going to continue to read the last few verses of uh, Haggai chapter 1. I'm reading from verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. This is a good response. The people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I'm with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And the spirit of all the remnants of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So a couple of things are happening in this text that we've read. The first response after Haggai has challenged them about their priorities, he's challenged them about their prosperity, that you think you're prospering, but you're not prospering. You're working, but actually money goes into pockets full of holes. You're losing because your priorities are not ordered aright. You don't have your priorities right. And their response is this. The Bible says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Ahagai the prophet that God sent. I want to come to this part. I love this part. It says, Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people. The Lord says, I am with you. God came. When they obeyed, when they changed their priorities, when they changed the way they view their prosperity, that when they realized that missions exist because worship is not there in the nations, when they said, we will rebuild the house of the Lord, God came and said, I am with you. And that proximity to God, now that, that, that God coming closer to them, something amazing happened. The Bible says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor. The Lord stirred up the governor. The Lord will set up the mayor. The Lord will set up the government. The Lord will set up those that are in positions of influence. May we trust God that as we pray, God will stir them up. Our nation is desperate for godly leaders. We need godly leaders who will fear the Lord, who will be stirred up for the house of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Judah. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Judah, who was the high priest. The Lord spoke to the church and he stirred them up. The word stirring up, it means awakening. It's an awakening. I believe that as we pray and trust God for revival, he will stir us up. He will awaken us. 
and the remnants of the people. May the Lord stare us up. Lord, stare us up. And they came and worked to the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. As God is staring us up, I believe this is going to happen. In Habakkuk 2.14, the Bible says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. So what I'm going to share with you right now, it's just to show you that God is working in the nations, even though sometimes it feels like, where is God? I believe the closer we get to God, there is a boldness, there is a strength that comes as we worship the Lord. We were at the Build Conference in May this year in Cape Town. And uh, we've been praying about the nation of Rwanda and trusting God that we will see God help us to plant in every nation church, a church that makes disciples in Rwanda. And if you don't know, the president of Rwanda has actually put a limit to uh, pastors having work permits or coming in to work there. Sad to say our country is also considering the same. And we are engaging uh, with, uh, with our government through 4SA, Freedom of Religion South Africa. While we are at this build conference, remember we're praying for God to open doors for us in Rwanda. Our Every Nation Church leader in Mauritius, I know that every time I talk about Mauritius, people want to sign up for the mission to Mauritius. Our Every Nation Church leader in Mauritius came up to me and says, Pastor Sai, there's someone I want to introduce you to. She introduces me to the niece of the Rwandan president who got saved at our church in Mauritius, and she's now a disciple of Jesus Christ. And now we are saying we're going to go directly to the president's office and say you need churches that are not driven by what they can make. They understand that prosperity is prosperity of the soul. We're not there. We're not coming to plant a church for the money that we can make. We are there to see hearts transformed. God can see our motives and he will bless us on the basis of our motives. I'll tell you more about this story. While we were in Manila for our master's uh, studies, um, our Every Nation Church in Orlando, Florida, they've been going into the Caribbean and they've been reaching out to people in the Caribbean. Isn't it amazing, the connection? They have started an outreach at St. Thomas Island. St. Thomas Island is an island when slaves were taken from Africa, from Ghana, they will go to St. Thomas Island before they are sent to different parts of the world. So if you make the connection, just uh, almost a month ago, we were in Ghana, we were at the place where the slaves were sent out, and now we get an, a request. This was in Manila. We get a request to say, can you come and help us at the St. Thomas Islands? Because we realize that there's a lot of Africans there, and there's certain things that they're experiencing that we don't understand, even though geographically it falls under America, under the USA. We need Africans to come and help us. So now we're in the process of sending a team to St. Thomas Island, to the Caribbeans, to do a victory training there. Africa is sending missionaries to the ends of the world. May God do it. Let God do it. Let God do it. Amen. I'm just giving you snippets of what God is doing in the nations. And back home here in South Africa, we got a call. A couple moved from Durban to East London, and they have 
a factory. They just bought a factory. And they say, we have 200 people in our factory that needs to be discipled. Can we plant a church? Now we have a couple from this church who are currently praying about moving to East London to be part of that church plant in East London. May God's name be glorified. Amen. Let's stand to pray. It was William Carey who said, Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So as reach our thrust, our apostolic mandate to reach the nations of the world, you'll hear more next week on how you can be involved with us. It's we pray, we give, and we go. We pray, we give, and we go. Last weekend, my wife and I were ministering in Port Elizabeth and also in uh, Grahamstown. And one morning, I went for a walk run, which was more of a walk than a run. <laughs> this is Friday morning. I'll go for a run on the promenade in, the, in Port Elizabeth, now called Kabecha. I'm still pro- learning how to pronounce it. And uh, I bump into this guy, and we start a conversation. His name is... Gary Wood hid. And uh, as we are talking, within five minutes into the conversation, he starts telling me that he just gone through a divorce. He's got two girls. One is working, another one at UCT studying. And he just starts to tell me how difficult things has been. And I take the opportunity to share the gospel and to pray with him. And I was reminded that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And you must remember, as a Motswana man, Motswana people are known to be calm, cool, and collected. The Heritage Day today, you know? Very diplomatic. I, I'm not always as courageous. Mark was prophesying and praying over me before the service and just for courage. I mean, Motswana people, even when we fight, you don't know we are fighting. <laughs> Ask my wife, you know? <laughs> you know, I... Generally, like, we are very, I'm not that kind of guy that will be like, go to a stranger and just start a conversation. But I realize proximity, the closer I get to God, the closer I pray, I pray for the lost, for the souls. I will go to a stranger and start a conversation and share the gospel with him. So I want to encourage you to pray for this nation. I want to encourage you to cry to God for this nation. The more you cry to God for this nation, there will be a boldness. There will be a staring that happens, an awakening to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, out of this message, to pray. Some of you, God may be staring you to give towards missions. And some of you, God is speaking to you to go, to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts this morning. You're challenging us, Father God, in this area of proximity with you. You're challenging us in this area of prosperity. What is our definition of prosperity? You're challenging us, Lord, in our priorities, Father God. I pray, Daddy, that you will help us to reorder our priorities this morning. To rethink, Lord God, how we prioritize our lives, God. We, we, we are happy to live in luxurious homes, drive luxurious cars while 
nations lack worship while your house lies in ruins. Lord, I pray that God, we will reconsider our ways, reorder our priorities. While our heads are bowed in this moment of prayer, I want to give an opportunity to people who are here and they say, you know, I came to church this morning and I know that I'm far from God. Or maybe you used to serve God and you stopped serving the Lord. Or maybe you're not serving the Lord and you want to come and reorder your priorities this morning. We want to pray with you. If you are here and you are far from God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand to God and say, I need to come back to the house of the Lord. I need to come back to building the house of the Lord. I need to reorder my priorities. If you are here, just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand so I can pray with you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. Anyone else who's saying, I, I need to reorder my priorities. I'm speaking to those who are far away from God. Thank you there at the back. Thank you. You say, I need to reorder my priorities. I'm far away from God. Thank you for raising your hand. As you've raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, to come to the front so we can pray with you. I know that it may be a bold step that you take, but I encourage you to come to the front so we can pray with you. If you raise your hand, just come to the front. We're going to pray with you. Thank you for those who raised their hand. Just come to the front. God is encouraging you to come and reorder your priorities. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take your contact details and we're going to be praying with you. I believe there's a reason why you had to come today so that you can reorder your priorities. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Please pray with me this prayer. and Church family, let's join them. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We accept you as Lord and Savior of our lives. We recommit our lives to living for you. In Jesus' name, amen.